So here we are at the one-year anniversary of the Sunnydale Charity Table Read. Uh, it dawned on me the other day that I never actually released the audio-only version of the whole event. So here it is, the audio-only version of Sunnydale. Uh, Sunnydale was an original two-part pilot I wrote that takes place 20 years after the events of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, I've always been a huge Buffy fan. I've always had these ideas bouncing around in my head and getting to put them down and, and uh, record them with some of my favorite actors really was a dream come true. Uh, together, we raised over $4,000 for students and teachers, and uh, the entire experience was one of the one of the best things I've ever had the pleasure of doing, so it was just an absolute blast. Uh, big thanks to the cast. We have Anna Brisbane, Dan Hutton, Sissy Jones, Ryan Colt-Levy, Mark Meir, Alex Wilton-Regan, Isaac Robinson-Smith, Aaron Yvette, and Brianna White. Uh, we had an original theme composed by the Super Weeks, which was unbelievable, and some mind-blowing character art by Mr. Dan Friss. Thank you all so much. Please enjoy Sunnydale Part 1. Uh, Sunnydale, Welcome Home Part 1, written by me, <clears throat> Ash Sevilla. Fade in. Interior. Mary's Nightmare. Catacombs. We see a young woman surrounded on all sides by dark figures who inch slowly toward her, ready to attack. The catacombs, dimly lit by torchlight, begin to collapse as a cluster of dark shapes are smashed under falling debris. Closer, one of the shapes lunges toward the girl who pivots, spins, and delivers a well-timed kick to the monster's midsection. The creature flies some distance and smashes into a nearby wall, badly broken. A lanky figure enters, backlit and menacing. The young woman hurls a well-sharpened wooden stake square into his heart, making it burst into a puff of thick dust. More shapes emerge, and the fighting continues. We hear the sound of different voices calling out in the darkness as intense fighting can be heard echoing throughout the collapse. Heavy pieces of debris begin to fall, right as the Slayer comes face to face with a massive, looming figure bathed in slithering shadows. A clawed hand reaches out and grabs her by the throat before she can react. Wake up! We hear the sickening sound of snapping bones. Cut to family SUV, night. In the front seat, Mason Harper drives an old model SUV while his wife Avery sits shotgun eating snacks while working on a crossword puzzle. Mason, 43, a stocky professorial type, is usually smiling while Avery, 40, manages to maintain a refined look despite being in the car for six days. In the back seat are sisters Alex and Mary Harper, both 16 years old. Alex sits staring out the window. She's naturally pretty with shoulder-length messy black hair that looks like it hasn't been washed in days. She pulls out her phone to check social media for the hundredth time that day. Mary has a round face, short blonde hair, and a thick sweater designed for life in New York, not California. Mary, sound asleep, rises in her seat until she shoots away, kicking the back of her mother's Avery's car seat, sending snacks flying in all directions. Mason swerves the car in response. Uh, Mary! Mason turns in his seat, lowers his glasses, and smiles. Uh, no kicking the seats, kids. Mary looks around confused. She's sleepy, drenched in sweat, and clearly still has no idea where she is. Alex looks up from her phone momentarily to see what's up. You okay? You were pouting? Alex reaches over to console her sister, but pulls her hand away after realizing just how sweaty Mary is. Oh my god, Mary, did you pee yourself? You're soaking wet. Oh, it's so gross. Mary dramatically rolls her eyes at her sister and begins to open the window to get some fresh air. Oh, I didn't pee myself. Did I pee myself? Mary cracks the window and breathes in some fresh air, suddenly relieved that her nightmare was just that. 
Her father turns around with a giant grin on his face. Well, Harpers, looks like we made it. Family photo? Oh, come on, Mason. They're exhausted. Nobody in the car says anything. Silence. Family photo it is. <sighs> Cut to the streets. Sunnydale. The family SUV slows down and stops right in front of a sign on the side of the highway that's obscured by shadows and brush. The Harpers exit the vehicle and tiredly stand in front of the sign. Come on, everyone squeeze in. Mason grabs Mary by the shoulder and feels just how drenched with sweat she really is. Wow, kiddo, you are sticky. Thanks. Mason holds his phone out and takes a few selfies of the family while the car's headlights illuminate the group in front of the sign. Everyone but Mason looks annoyed. Cut to the woods. Dark figures watch the family snap photos from the tree line in the distance. They slowly back into the dark woods as the Harpers get back into their SUV and head into town. Cut to exterior of the streets. We see an illuminated sign uh, lit by bright floodlights that reads, Welcome back to Sunnydale, as the SUV speeds away. Roll credits. All right, so we wait, to, we wait till the next morning. We are in the kitchen. Mason fries up some bacon on the stove as Avery continues unpacking boxes of dishes and silverware from the move. Avery pauses and looks at her husband, who's happily humming a tune while flipping some bacon. Do you think the girls will be okay? Mason, who is wearing a goofy yellow apron, pauses and spins on his heels while brandishing a metal set of tongs. I'm sure Mary is fine. Avery looks him in the eyes as if she wants to say something that she shouldn't say. Alex is clearly upset, but she's always upset, so it's hard to tell just how upset she really is. Avery and Mason's eyes meet, as if they're communicating something without speaking. <sighs> Kids should have some sort of meter built in. <laughs> Mason pauses, breaks eye contact, and turns to continue making breakfast. We cut to the interior bedroom day. Alex is already dressed for school. She restlessly stares out the second-story window of her room, with her backpack packed and resting by her feet. She spots a teenage boy walking an incredibly tiny dog on the sidewalk below. Cut to streets. Lincoln West, 17, tall, lanky, and unconventionally handsome, lazily walks his dog in front of the Harper's house until Alex catches his eye. He grins and sheepishly waves his hand to say hi while still holding onto a bag of fresh dog poop. Cut to interior bedroom. Alex smiles, pauses for a moment, and waves back. Mary wakes up inside her sleeping bag on the hardwood floor and wipes the sleep from her eyes. Alex notices her stir, but continues looking out the window. Morning, sweaty. Mary pulls herself out of the sleeping bag and stretches. <sighs> How's California so far? Alex doesn't turn around and continues staring out the window, deep in thought. Boy next door just shook a bag of dog poop at me. Charming. Mary continues to stretch and still looks exhausted. Is he cute? Alex gives a tiny, maybe, shrug okay. and continues staring out the window. I'm sure he'll be standing outside the window with a boombox declaring his love within a week. Mary joins her sister by the window and puts her arm around her. Alex leans her head onto Mary's shoulder. They pause for a moment and enjoy the silence. <sighs> I'm so pissed at them. Me too. Mary squeezes Alex closely. Can't we just run away and become drifters? Where would you want to drift? Anywhere but high school. I'm already packed. Alex lifts her backpack off the floor and squeezes her sister close. We cut back to the kitchen. 
Alex and Mary enter the kitchen wearing their backpacks and new first day of school clothes. The kitchen is filled with fresh pancakes, bacon, and other assorted breakfast treats cooked out of guilt. There they are. How'd you two sleep? My sleeping bag still smelled like camp, which is nostalgic. Avery puts down some boxes and pauses to assess the girls. A smile creeps across her face. We'll get your beds unpacked while you're at school. Do you two have everything you need for the day? Alex and Mary both nod, sit down, and start scarping the food. Are you two sure we can't just quit school and live off the land? I'm fairly certain you two don't know anything about farming. <laughs> Mason drops a few hot pancakes onto their plates. I'm a fast learner. Something to do with seeds, uh, dirt. Holes? Alex point her, points her finger at Mary. Bingo. See? We've got it. Drive you, you know. Like old times. Alex reaches over to steal Mary's bacon as they eat. Mason and Avery continue to unpack the kitchen and pretend not to hover. It's a 10-minute walk, Mom. We'll be fine. Alex stuffs her mouth wide with bacon and smiles. Unless another sinkhole opens up and swells us all into the abyss. All eyes turn to Alex, who doesn't flinch, and continues eating. What? You're all thinking it. I mean, you did move us to a town that got swallowed up during an earthquake. Nobody was hurt, Alexandra. Avery pauses and looks at Alex with a disapproving glare. Alex smiles back with her mouth full of bacon bits. You two better scarf that and get moving. I don't want you being late on day one. And please, keep an open mind. New school, new start. Alex and Mary get up, give their parents a hug, and shuffle reluctantly out the door. Cut to the streets of Sunnydale. Several angles establishing the neighborhood. Lines of newly built homes with freshly planted oak trees line the streets. A few cars slowly roll by, but the streets of Sunnydale are bright and quiet. It's a suburban hellscape. So, want to become runaways? We've got our bindles, some cans of food. Alex puts her arm around her sister, who does the same. What's a bindle? It's a bag on a stick. Who are you? I've given the lifestyle some serious thought, okay? Alex scoops up a rock and throws it at a nearby stop sign. Direct hit. How are you feeling? Not terrible, I guess. I hate that we're starting late, but it is what it is. Right side? I guess a brand new school is less likely to smell like an armpit. Are you really sure about that? Alex looks at her sister and raises an eyebrow. Life finds a way. We hear a commotion in the distance and see a group of teenagers standing in a circle laughing and cheering. Alex and Mary approach. Coleman, 17, a thick teenage boy wearing a Sunnydale Razorbacks jersey, is cackling while shoving a smaller boy around in a circle of his friends as they take turns knocking him off balance. I realize no one's Coleman, so I'll be Coleman. <laughs> uh, why don't you put us in one of your movies, Link? Will you remember us when you're famous? Lincoln smirks and proudly displays an I-don't-care attitude, despite the fact that he's moments away from getting his ass kicked. Oh, Coleman, I have something of yours. Lincoln reaches into his pocket and pulls out his middle finger. Oh, so you're a badass now. Coleman's face becomes beet red as he looks at his crew for encouragement. Oh, you uh, dropped this too. Lincoln reaches into his other pocket and pulls out his other middle finger and sticks them proudly into Coleman's face. Coleman smiles, cocks his fist back, and delivers a sloppy right cross to Lincoln's cheek, knocking him down. Without pause, Lincoln starts to stand and seems more annoyed by the punch than rattled. Alex and Man Mary watch from the sidelines. Stay down, you little bitch! Lincoln doesn't flinch, stands up, 
and stares Coleman straight into the eyes. Coleman prepares to deliver a knockout blow. Lincoln puts his hand into his pockets and smirks. Asshole! Coleman spins around to see Alex charging toward him with, his, uh, with her middle finger defiantly in his face. Get your finger out of my face, freak! What's your problem, Chode? He clearly doesn't want to fight you! Coleman takes a step forward, smirks, and shoves Alex to the ground with a powerful push. She slams the ground hard and looks stunned. Lincoln jumps between them. Hey now! Coleman cocks his fist back to hit Lincoln in the jaw, but before his fist can connect, we see Mary deliver a spin kick to Coleman's midsection faster than he can react. We hear a hollow pop as one of Coleman's ribs shatters. Coleman flies into a cluster of his crew, knocking them to the ground, and lands square on his back, gasping for air, halfway across the street, surrounded by his cronies. Get away from her! Coleman looks up at Mary, gasping, both shocked and terrified. His crew backs off. Coleman slowly gets up. He and the rest of his crew grab their things and scurry away without looking back. Lincoln walks over to Alex, who is fuming mad. You okay? Lincoln offers Alex his hand to help her up. Alex raises an eyebrow. You washed your hands, right? Oh, the dog poop wave earlier? Yeah, I washed. Lincoln helps Alex to her feet. Both slowly turn to look at Mary, who is still pumped full of adrenaline and staring at Coleman from a distance as he walks away. What was that? Do you guys take karate or something? <laughs> that was a wicked kick! We did when we were nine, but we were nine. Am I going to get in trouble? Am I in trouble? Lincoln chuckles while feeling his swollen face. Uh, I'm Lincoln, by the way. I think I live a few houses down from you guys. The trio starts walking toward the school. I'm Alex, and the ninja here is my sister Mary. Mary vibrates with adrenaline, still in shock over what she did. Lincoln pokes at his face, which is red, puffy, and somewhat bruised. So, what was all that about? <sighs> Coleman and I have a long history. We were best friends in middle school, and he became an asshole. Lincoln winces from the pain, but continues smiling. Uh, which one of you is the older sister? We're the same age. Almost. I'm a bit older than her. Lincoln looks at them both somewhat confused, but says nothing. We're adopted. And to answer all of your questions ahead of time, yes, we've always known. No, we don't know who our birth parents are, and no, we don't have any desire to find out. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Lincoln looks at Mary, who is finally calming down. You kicked Coleman, who easily weighs 230 about half a block down the street in front of the whole football team. I don't know how that happened. You need to teach me how to do that. Mary shrugs, looks at the ground, and keeps walking. You don't have to worry about getting in trouble. Kids get in fights all the time around here, and nobody ever does a thing. I don't even think this town has a police force. The three continue their walk, and we see a brand new Sunnydale High School in the distance. Students pour in before the first bell, talking, laughing, and playing on their phones. Cars line up around the drop-off ramp, honking and revving their engines. The three take a deep breath and soak it all in. Thanks again for the save, neighbors. Do you know where you're headed? Alex points at the school. And there, sadly. Lincoln starts to walk away from the group. He's smiling despite the massive black eye on his face. Sorry about your face. Lincoln looks at Mary confused for a moment and then points to his shiner and nods slowly. No worries. I've had worse. Lincoln sees some Freds and trots off. We see them react to his black eye. 
Lincoln points to the girls and does a terrible jump kick, miming the one that Mary landed on Coleman. The other students all react in shock and pure joy as they hear about Coleman getting his ass kicked. Well, first day of school and you're already famous. Alex puts her arm around Mary, who is slowly calming down. I don't want to be famous. Well, I don't want to be awesome, but... <laughs> Alex pauses, waiting for Mary to finish her sentence. Life finds a way. The two walk off into the school as the bell rings. We cut to the principal's office. Mary and Alex stand in the principal's office. His secretary stares at the computer while typing furiously. We hear the late bell sound throughout the school. The phone at the uh, secretary's desk rings, but the secretary, clearly annoyed, quickly picks it up, only to slam it back down on its base. Mary and Alex share an uneasy glance. Hi, we're new. The secretary continues to type while ignoring the girls. We need to pick up our schedules. It's our first day. The secretary continues to type, never looking up from her keyboard. Nora! Get off your phone and get these to their schedules. They're already late. <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> Busting out the secretary. I love it. Uh, Nora, 16, pretty tall, blonde, and overly confident, enters from the back of the room. Judging from, from her expression, she is clearly done dealing with the secretary. Names. Harper, Mary, and Alex. Late on your first day. I'm impressed. Let's see where you're supposed to be. Nora digs and removes their schedules from the file. Sisters, you don't look anything alike. Mm, we're not twins. The secretary uh, finally looks up from typing. Nora, stop being Nora and show them to their homeroom, please. <laughs> Nora scowls at the secretary and motions for the girls to follow her. Interior, Sunnydale High School halls. Alex and Mary follow Nora as she quickly walks down the empty halls. Nora turns to talk to them as she continues walking backwards. So, this is the newly built Sunnydale High School, home of the worst football team in the country, the Razorbacks. As you've probably heard, the old Sunnydale High was swallowed in an earthquake about 20 years ago. Alex and Mary share a look. But some very smart people said it couldn't ever happen again, so they filled in the hole and started building everything back again. How long has the school been finished? This is only our second year, but you'll see there's already a very well-established pecking order. Mary nods while Alex scowls. Noticed. The trio walk past a series of posters for Sunnydale Drama Club, Sunnydale AV, and Sunnydale Razorbacks, uh, and a very empty trophy case. Where are you ladies from? New York, not the city. <laughs> well, you're probably going to be miserable here. Most shops are just now open for business. We do have a sixplex in town if movies are your thing. They play classics on Tuesday nights for $5. What kind of classics? Titanic, The Matrix, old movies, you know? The trio stops outside a classroom door. Here's your homeroom. Give these passes to Mr. Holt, or he'll write you up and tell you a very long-winded story about responsibility. It's awful. Nora hands them uh, a purple hall pass. I'm, I'm just like listening, enjoying, <laughs> keep forgetting to read. Uh, Nora hands them two purple hall passes with a printed image of a razorback on them. Good luck, and steer clear of the principal's secretary as she is a monster bitch. Nora spins on her heels and trots off back toward the office, aloof. You ready? Alex holds out her fist to bump. 
Ready to rock. <laughs> Dork. The two sisters bump fists and walk into the class. Interior homeroom. As the sisters walk into the classroom, all eyes instantly turn to stare. The bulk of the students are on their phones, ignoring their homeroom teacher entirely. An older man in front of the classroom behind the podium in his 70s looks up from under his glasses just long enough to acknowledge that there are new students in his classroom. This is Mr. Holt. Welcome. You must be our new additions. The Harper sisters, correct? Mr. Holt holds out his hand and Mary slowly walks up and shakes it. Mr. Holt gives Mary a disapproving glance. Well, I do appreciate a good handshake. <laughs> Mr. Holt waggles his hand, clearly stunned by Mary's unexpected strength. You do have passes, do you not? Alex fumbles and holds out her goofy purple hall passes. Uh, sorry, we got a bit turned around. Well, have a seat. The AV Club gives us a nice show to watch every mo uh, morning, and I'd hate for you to miss it. It's art, I assure you. Mary and Alex take their seats and start to watch the Sunnydale AV Club's morning announcements. None of the other students are watching. A small boy with a tragic haircut sits next to Nora, who looks 10 years older than him. On the screen. Good morning, Sunnydale High. Uh, we hope you're having a fantastic Monday. The young girl pauses, clearly reading from the teleprompter. Are Mondays ever fantastic, Fergie? Nora slowly turns around to look at Fergie, who stares into the camera and doesn't return her glance. You still have three weeks to get your tickets to the homecoming dance. Be sure to support your Razorbacks who are currently all and six. Pick up your tickets today with your homeroom teacher or at lunch. We cut back to the homeroom. Alex and Mary stare at the morning announcements, unable to look away from what could only be described as the worst morning show ever produced. This is amazing. I know. How are they not watching this train wreck? Mason and Avery, we cut to the parents' bedroom. Mason and Avery unpack boxes while pop music plays in the background. Mason removes a large packing crate and begins to open it with a nearby crowbar. Mason sits on the edge of the bed, staring out the window, clearly lost in his thoughts. Everything is going to be fine, Mason. The girls are going to be fine. <sighs> Avery finally pops the nails from the crate and removes the lid. We see Avery peer inside her crate. Her expression changes from frustration to sadness. She stands, moves towards Mason on the bed, and sits down next to him and offers her, his, uh, offers her arm. You know we didn't have a choice. We knew this day would come eventually. Avery turns toward Mason with teary eyes. I know. But why here of all places? Why Sunnydale? Mason stands and looks out the window down into the street as we hear the sound of more construction in the distance. Why couldn't they just let this place stay buried? Cut to the bronze underground day. Torches and dim lights illuminate the club as a punk band plays in the background. A few dozen figures bathed in shadow mill about watching, but nobody's dancing. Sections of the club are collapsed and filled with debris. It looks like the club could fall apart at any moment. We see a young woman at a booth in the corner, flanked on her left by a towering hulk of a man wearing a tight-fitting Hawaiian shirt and a badly scarred, massive shaved head. This is Tim. The woman is pretty, distinguished with long, straight black hair and pale skin. She watches the band play as she scans the crowd. This is Felicity. Tim, I'm getting bored. I want to see people moving. Go motivate them, will you? Tim starts to move toward the stage as Felicity notices a group of men enter the club. She puts her hand on Tim's chest and stops him in his tracks. It looks like the Fang Gang has arrived. Sit your big butt down. Three young men with pale skin, leather jackets, and slick black hair approach. 
Felicity from the other side of the bar. Felicity looks up to meet their gaze. She raises her hand to signal for the band to stop. They do. Hello, boys. What news do you bring? The tallest of the three men steps forward and nervously looks at Tim, who is easily twice his size. We followed them to their place, like you asked. And? Not yet. Nobody left last night, and we dipped out at dawn. Still unpacking and stuff. Good. Stay on them tonight. I want to know everything they do once the sun goes down. Yes, Felicity. Oh, and if any of them gets frisky, feel free to scare them a little. A shorter, va a shorter vampire grabs the tall one by his leathers and shakes him, clearly excited. <laughs> now you're talking! <laughs> Felicity grins and raises her hand. The band starts playing. Tim, start a pit, will you? Tim smiles, gets up, and rushes the stage, throwing three shadowy figures out of the way like toys. Felicity grins. We cut back to high school. Alex and Mary make their way uh, across the lunchroom carrying their lunch trays. They look around at the various tables filled with student cliques and groups. They spot Lincoln in the distance, sitting at a table with an awkward boy from the morning announcements. A table filled with football players all wearing the Razorbacks jerseys look up and start to point. One of the younger players takes out his phone and starts to snap pictures of Mary as she walks by. Just, just keep walking. Lincoln notices the commotion and waves the sisters, the sisters over. He smiles and brushes off the table as they approach to sit. Harpers, come sit! Your legend has been spreading. Wonderful. It's like prison. You knocked out the biggest guy in the yard on your first day. I think you technically own the school now or something. Prison part, right? Don't worry. The teenage brain has to stay simulated with new and exciting garbage. Within 24 hours, they won't even remember that this happened. Alex and Mary sit down and start to pick at their food. Other students in the courtyard occasionally look over their shoulders to check them out. This is Fergie, or Fergie Ferg, as I call him. You probably saw him on the news this morning. A shorter boy with straight hair cut into a bowl and glasses sheepishly waves at Alex and Mary. This is Fergie. Yes, amazing stuff, really. I know, it's awful. I mean, totally awful, but amazing in a chemical fire sort of way. Alex! No, she's, she's right. The worse it is, the better it is. It's an enigma. This is Mary and Alex. They moved in a few houses down. Mary knows Kung Fu. Eddie Ferguson, or her Fergie Ferg, as Lincoln so lovingly calls me. The four of them continue eating as Coleman enters the courtyard, walking slowly with a limp, clutching his side. <laughs> Here's your boy. Coleman turns and looks at the group pauses in his tracks, tracks and sheepishly sits down with the Razorbacks. I think you broke his will. Lincoln smiles and starts to nod as he steals one of Fergie's chips. I'll forever be in your debt for kicking his ass. Let me check your schedules. Alex and Mary hand their schedules over to Lincoln, who flattens them out on the table. I can give you the lowdown on what you're in for. Lincoln's eyes widen as he sizes up their schedules. Okay, so Mr. Holt has wanted to retire for 20 years. So as long as you're quiet and on time, you can do whatever you want. Kirsten is brutal, more homework than should be allowed. Switch out of that one. Oh, Grenshaw's cool. He just sleeps the whole time. Lincoln grabs the passes and shows them to Fergie, who starts laughing. <laughs> no way. <laughs> 
Fergie reads the passes and starts to smile. <sighs> you guys are with us, seventh hour. AV class, suckers. Alex and Mary look at each other somewhat nervous. Awful? No way. It's the only class that keeps me sane around here. Lincoln flips a chicken nugget into his mouth and starts to chomp. How's the teacher? Dark gray? She's great. Just uh, don't ask her about the lake. Cut to the basement. The Sunnydale High School basement is dimly lit with piping and wiring still visible and some construction clearly not complete. Boxes of athletic equipment and mascots uniform can be seen resting against the back wall. It's dark, musty, and generally basement-like. We see an older custodian with a gaunt face enter the room from a nearby staircase. Her long gray hair is pulled into a tight bun, and large circles under her eyes indicate that a lifetime of hard work and sleepless nights. This is Patty. Patty fumbles with the boxes and manages to get them stacked in the corner. We hear the sound of wind blowing faintly in the distance, causing Patty to freeze in her tracks. Kids, come on out and get to class. Patty reaches into her belt and pulls out a flashlight and begins to search for the source of the sound. You know you can't be down here. Patty shines her light into the corner of the room, revealing a crack in the wall, slightly obscured by boxes and debris. Now what is this? Patty shines her flashlight into the crack, revealing a small black tunnel that stretches down into the darkness. Okay, kids, you can't be down here. Are you okay? The tunnel stretches and winds in multiple directions and seems to have been carved out of intense heat. Eventually, Patty emerges into a large open chamber that is nearly pitch black. We see dark figures shambling in the darkness around Patty, moving unnaturally quickly while making no sound. Patty starts to back away when we see a massive silhouette shrouded in darkness pick Patty up by the neck like a ragdoll and drag her <laughs> rapidly through the darkness. She kicks and flails but can't break the creature's grasp. Patty fights back, pounding on its massive head with her flashlight as the creature picks her up and takes a sickening bite out of her neck. Patty chokes, <laughs> drops her flashlight, and vibrates as the creature drinks deeply. Cut to the Sunnydale High School AV room. Students sit at a number of long tables as their teacher scribbles furiously on the whiteboard in front of them. The AV room is messy with posters for Sunnydale Productions, new and old, lining the walls. Racks upon racks of old DVDs, VHS cassettes, and even a few bins filled with 8mm reels are on display. Two studio cameras on rolling tripods sit aimed at the Good Morning Sunnydale set, which was clearly built by the drama department for a not-so-great grade. The teacher slowly makes her way across the room with the help of an old wooden cane. She's in her early 40s with graying hair pulled into a tight bun and is wearing a fine suit, which is way too expensive for a teacher's salary. This is Dr. Avalon. So, Lincoln, Mr. Ferguson, I want to see something truly magnificent to help sell those tickets. Ideas, go! Drinking and driving? Uh, PSA with the simulated car crash? Terrible. Dr. Avalon holds her marker out at Fergie as if she's trying to zap him. Next, Nora. Nora sits on her phone, not paying attention to the conversation. I'm sorry, what? What does the sign say, Nora? Dr. Avalon points to a sign on the wall that says NO PHONE ZONE in all caps next to a close-up picture of a comically dated cellular phone. NO PHONE ZONE? Correct. Now put it away or I'll take it and hide it. You can't take it and hide it. I will take it and I will hide it. You can't take it and hide it! I will. Alex and Mary watch the exchange in awe and smile at each other. Lincoln breaks the stalemate. 
what if we shoot something fall themed in the graveyard? We can tie it into the dance's Halloween theme. At least people will watch it if there's blood. Dr. Avalon points her finger at Lincoln and begins to slowly nod. Okay. So I need a 60-second ad by Thursday. Can you shoot it, edit it, and have it ready for Thursday's show? Uh, can we use blood? A little. A little blood. A uh, blood effigy? No blood effigy. Just a dash, Mr. Ferguson. A, a, a sprinkle. Fergie begins to scribble in his notebook. Dash is relative. Dr. Avalon starts to walk around the classroom to help out other students and leaves the group to themselves. You two want to help out tonight? We could shoot some stuff at the new Restfield Cemetery after sundown. Lincoln looks to Alex and Mary and makes prey hands. That's a bit creepy, right? The graveyard is fake. Sorry. Yeah, the original Restfield Cemetery with the real corpses was swallowed up in the quake. So what is in the graves? They're all empty. They just built a recreation of the old graveyard right where it used to be. Symbolic and all that. Only the corpses are 600 feet deep as opposed to six. That's depressing. This whole town is depressing. You'll catch on. Nora sees that Dr. Avalon's back is turned and takes, her out, uh, takes out her phone and starts to check social media. You win, Nora? Right after dark? I can't. I have book club. Alex and Mary share a look, but say nothing. Oh, don't look so surprised. Just because I'm good looking doesn't mean I don't like to read. Alex nods slowly. Yep, she has a point. You know, I'm in. Harper's? Come on. I could use some bodyguards. Lincoln holds up his fist and waggles them at the pair. I'm down. Why not? I'll see if Dad will let us bail after dinner. Strength in numbers. Dr. Avalon approaches and snatches the phone out of Nora's hand. Nora shoots, at her, Nora shoots her a death glare. You know, Dr. Avalon, you legally can't touch my things. Oh no, what if they fire me? Whatever will I do with my PhD? <sighs> Dr. Avalon turns Nora's phone off and tosses it back to her. She catches it and scrunches up her nose. We hear the bell ring as students scramble to grab their things and head home. Before Alex and Mary can leave the classroom, Dr. Avalon blocks their path. Everyone else can take off. I want to chat with our new students for just a sec. Alex and Mary stand, waiting while the other students filter out of the room. Lincoln peeks his head back in the door. I'll see you two tonight. Say 8.30. We'll be there. Lincoln vanishes into a sea of teenage bodies in the hallway. Dr. Avalon backs into the doorway and slowly closes it behind her, while Alex and Mary exchange a glance. I just wanted to take a moment to welcome you both to Sunnydale. Dr. Avalon palms a whiteboard eraser in her hands and looks Alex in the eye. Where did you say you were- Yeah! Dr. Avalon quickly tosses the eraser at Alex's head, who doesn't flinch or react. The eraser bounces off her head and flies across the classroom. Ow! Hey, what, what the- What is going on? Dr. Avalon pauses, looks at the girls, and walks over to her whiteboard. Humor me for a moment? Dr. Avalon turns and starts to scribble on the whiteboard in front of her. She steps away, revealing a crude sketch of a circular rune with markings not in English. Have either of you seen this image before? Mary and Alex again share a glance and start moving toward the door, confused and a bit freaked out. Mary grabs the doorknob and pauses. Are we free to go? Uh, welcome to Sunnydale. I'm quite delighted to have you both in class. 
Alex and Mary grab their packs and head out of the AV room into a sea of students. Dr. Avalon picks up her phone and makes a call. Hey, it's me. Tonight? We see her scowl as she quickly erases the drawing from the whiteboard and places the phone into her pocket. We cut to the streets. Mary and Alex slowly walk down the suburban streets on the way home. A student wearing the full Razorbacks mascot costume whizzes past them while driving a convertible. Okay, that's clearly not legal. Right? The kids at this school act like there aren't even any rules. Mary pulls Alex off the road and they continue walking on the grass. What do you think was up with Dr. Avalon? That was weird, right? I honestly don't know. What was with the creepy Pictionary and the eraser checking? She's clearly working too hard. So, do we tell on her? I mean, she hit me with an eraser. No way. Everyone loves her. Do you want everyone to hate us as much as the football team does? Out of curiosity, how confident are you that you can take on the entire team? Ha ha. We cut to the basement. We see Patty sit up, as if she's being controlled by marionette strings. She takes a few uneasy steps on shaky feet and pauses to examine her surroundings with an expression of wonder. Slowly, she begins to compose herself. We see the large, shadowy figure point to Patty with a colossal clawed hand. Go bring me more. Uh, Patty turns and starts to make her way out of the caves. We cut to Lincoln's bedroom. Lincoln sits at his computer playing games as we hear the sound of two adults arguing in the background. The fighting escalates and eventually we hear the sound of dishes being broken and a faint crying in the distance. Lincoln gets up, locks his door, grabs a nearby pair of headphones and puts them on. He clicks away in his computer, reaches into a mini fridge, pulls out a soda and starts to drink. We hear the yelling intensify. Lincoln turns up the volume and continues to blast baddies. Now we cut to the kitchen. Mason stands flipping burgers in the rear of the kitchen while Avery sits quietly at a large circular table with Alex and Mary. She has an old book out and seems quite distant. So, tell us about your first day. Was it the best day ever, or...? Uh, your enthusiasm is exhausting. Avery looks up from underneath her glasses and puts her book down. First days are hard. Tomorrow will be easier. Alex met a boy. Alex swats Mary's arm as Mary slowly turns, neglecting his burger. I'm more interested in his freakishly small dog. The tall neighbor boy? I tried to wave to his mother today, but she seemed like she had somewhere to be. Speaking of which, we have a school project we're supposed to help Lincoln with tonight for AV class. Help Lincoln? You girls aren't even unpacked yet. Dad, do you want us to fail on our first day? It's not like we're going to some skeezy dance club. Right? We're just going to go shoot a video to sell homecoming tickets. That's exciting. What theme did they pick? Halloween? What? Halloween is not romantic. There is quite literally nothing romantic about high school. Mason returns to flipping the burgers. Avery? Avery looks at her daughters and smiles. Finish your food and be home by 10. You unpack all weekend long, got it? 11 it is. Alexandra? 10 is fair. <laughs> Cut to the bronze underground. Tim stands idly by the door, tapping his foot to the music with his arms crossed while Felicity sits at her booth, surrounded by musty old tomes and scrolls, clearly searching for information or some lost knowledge. She stares into the distance, deep in thought, as an old rotary phone propped on the table rings loudly. She picks it up. Yes. Her mood shifts to agitated. Yes. Follow them and make sure their parents aren't following you. Tim shifts in place. 
Keep an eye on them, but do not engage. Do you understand? Tim approaches and sits down in the booth. I go? No, Tim, not yet. If they saw you, they'd probably get in a car and drive screaming out of town. No offense. Tim looks down at the ground, saddened like a puppy. Oh, don't be such a baby. You know you're scary as hell. Just own it. Tim gives a knowing nod and gets back to guard the door. Cut to the graveyard night. The graveyard is dimly lit by staggered lanterns in a full moon. Almost full moon. Linky and Fergie sit on the bench underneath a large oak tree. Fergie is dressed like Teen Wolf compete with Razorback's jersey and a clumsy werewolf mask. Lincoln takes out his phone to check the time while Fergie fiddles with his uncomfortable costume. Behind them are dozens of graves. What time is it? Uh, 8.45. You want a bear and go grab some nachos? I'll wear this thing all night. Yeah, screw it. I'll never say no to nachos. Lincoln gets up and starts to pack up the rest of the gear while Fergie and Alex are with Fergie as Alex and Mary arrive in the darkness. Nice mask. Alex tugs at Fergie's mask but moves away. Sorry we're late. The parentals needed convincing. Alex tries to peek into the werewolf's um, eye holes while Fergie moves away somewhat embarrassed. You know how the elderly can be. Lincoln slowly nods and starts to unpack his gear. I could probably vanish for weeks without an Amber Alert. You're lucky, man. I think my mom has me chipped. Lincoln grabs uh, one of the cameras out of the case and turns it on. Let's shoot something fast and go grab nachos. Harper's eat nachos, right? I would kill for a nacho right now. I'd help her hide the body. Mary and Alex start to help to unpack the lighting kit. Her mom has been making the same shepherd's pie for years. She's entirely predictable. Cut to the Von Hoppmann family crypt, night. The interior of the mausoleum is suddenly illuminated by torchlight. We see an old crumbling tomb with bits and pieces of shattered marble strewn in all directions. The tomb appears to have been partially destroyed and is in poor shape. As the torchlight creeps across the tomb's interior, we see Mason and Avery move toward a large, ornate grave resting in the middle of the room. This is the spot. Mason begins to slowly slide the heavy lid off the tomb. It slides onto the ground and slams the concrete with a loud thud. Avery shines her torchlight inside. We see a tomb completely empty, sans cobweb and dust. I don't understand. They said it would be here. Well, this wouldn't exactly be the first time they were wrong. We hear the sound uh, from outside of the room, a faint whisper. Mason looks to Avery, who is already moving across the tomb's interior with a sharp blade drawn. Mason quickly darts out of frame into the darkness as Avery silently moves to flank the tomb's entrance. We see Patty, the school custodian, slowly walk into frame with a wicked grin on her face. Patty, looking refreshed with the bags under her eyes suddenly gone, smiles and slowly turns to face Avery, inches from her face. You can't be down here, ma'am. This is private property. Patty's grin grows wider. Why don't y'all tell me what you're doing down here? Avery pauses for a moment and slowly moves the knife behind her back to obscure it from Patty's view. I apologize. I, I, I must have gotten turned around down here and... Uh, Before, <laughs> Before she can finish her sentence, Patty leaves through the door, bearing horrible fangs and otherworldly eyes. Avery whips out her knife and begins slashing at Patty with blinding speed. Multiple hits connect. Patty tosses Avery against the back wall, shattering old brick into dust. Suddenly, Mason appears from the shadows, brandishing a comically large crossbow. Hold still! 
Mason fires a bolt into the back of Patty's shoulder, pinning her to the wall. She flails wildly while trying to pry herself free. Uh, I, I miss! I need quick backstory. I need to understand why I suddenly flip. Oh, why you flip? Uh, you you have a you have a cover from your kids. You actually grew up in England, but when you moved to the States to raise the girls, you you basically created a new persona. So you were like a monster hunter back in England, and then okay. uh, now you're not. You're just a mom. Here we go. Yeah. Take this shot, Mason! This one isn't a friendly! Mason fumbles with shaking hands as he attempts to load another bolt. Holy water! Did you bring the holy water? It's in the pack! Which pack? Uh, the brown one! The, the one your mother got you for Christmas! Avery runs into the shadows, leaving Mason with flailing Patty. We see Avery reach into the large bag. Inside are three jars of clear liquid, none labeled. Oh, come on, Mason! She grabs all three bottles and heads back to battle. We cut back to the graveyard. Alex and Mary sit on a park bench underneath a tree. Large studio lights shine on them as Lincoln stands with his camera trained on the duo. And action! Lincoln points his finger at Alex, who stares into the camera uncomfortably. I don't know, sis. I don't think I'm going to homecoming this year. Why not, Alex? I hear it's going to be a howling good time. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Fergie leaps into frame in his wolf suit, snarls and howls at the moon. Alex and Mary feign terror and run out of the frame. <laughs> Tickets go on sale Friday. Don't forget to wear something scary. <laughs> Lincoln moves his arm down as a smile creeps across his face. And cut. Pretty good. Let's get one more before Lincoln's cut off by three uh, figures in leather jackets who appear behind them without making a peep. Yes, let's get one more, shall we? We cut back to the Von Hoppmann family crypt. Mason lines up another shot in an attempt to hit Patty's heart, but she manages to miss as Avery sprints back into the room, fumbling with various bottles of liquid. Which one is it, Mason? I, I don't remember, dear. I tried them all. Ugh! Avery flips the cap off of one of the bottles and begins to frantically dump it over the pinned vamp. Nothing happens. Mason sniffs the air and makes an ooh, gross face. Vinegar! That one is vinegar! Avery shoots Mason a glance as she flips the cap off the second bottle. She begins to pour it onto the monster, who starts to hiss and shriek as the liquid touches his skin. It's, it's working! Keep going! Avery empties the bottle onto the vamp, who starts to sizzle and pop as the holy water burns her flesh. Give me that! Mason tosses the crossbow to Avery, who catches it in one hand. We cut back to the graveyard. The three vamps stand shoulder to shoulder while inching closer to the gang, who slowly starts to back away. Who are you guys supposed to be? The Jets or the Sharks? Is AV Club treading on the drama club's turf? That, that was really good. Thank you. The vamps inch closer. So, which one of you is it? Which one of you is what? The tall vamp takes a step closer and grabs Lincoln by the collar, lifting him off the ground effortlessly. <laughs> it's clearly not this one. Lincoln squints, cocks his head back, and delivers a massive headbutt to the tall vamp's nose. We see his face start to change to a twisted demon vamp face as his fangs show for the first time. Big mistake, nerd. The vamp takes a massive bite out of Lincoln's neck and drinks deeply for a moment before tossing him to the side, limp. 
Fergie tears off his mask and runs to check Lincoln as Alex and Mary stand shoulder to shoulder, outnumbered. Now would be the time to do that thing you did earlier. Don't know how I... The tall vamp steps in front of the two, bathed in moonlight, with blood dripping from his mouth. So, which one of you is the Slayer? Mary squints, filled with adrenaline, after hearing the word Slayer for the first time. Images of past Slayers flash before her eyes. Sinea, Nikki Wood, Mariko, Kendra Young, Buffy Summers, Faith Lahane. She makes a tight fist and delivers a devastating uppercut to the vamp's jaw, shattering one of his fangs in the process. The tall vamp collapses to his knees, and Mary quickly kicks him in the head, knocking him across the yard. Ah, there she is! The frumpy vamp leans onto Mary's chest and quickly, or leaps onto Mary's chest and quickly kicks him off and bounces him to a nearby tree with a sickening thud. The third vampire closes as Mary struggles to get back on her feet. Alex swings hard, punching him in the head, to little effect. Shit. Oh, shit. The tall vamp picks himself off the ground, checks his broken fang, and hisses at Mary. You made a big mistake, Slayer. I'm gonna drink you. Instantly, the tall vamp's expression changes from pure ego to terror as he begins to disintegrate from a wooden stake to the back. We see the shape of Dr. Avalon materialize in the dust. Catch! Dr. Avalon tosses a, tosses a sharpened wooden stake to Mary, who catches it with confidence, and begins fending off the other two vampires. Lincoln sits up with Fergie by his side. They watch Frozen as Mary delivers a barrage of kicks and punches to the vampires, keeping them at bay. They notice their teacher, Dr. Avalon, retreating back into the shadows. Is that Dr. A? Y yeah, I think so. Is she wearing a, a trench coat? I'm very confused. Alex is knocked off her feet as both vamps <gasps> close on Mary from both sides, bearing their fangs. Mary spins and rapidly stems them both with precision, turning them both into exploding clouds of dust. <coughs> it's in my lungs! Oh, they're in my lungs! That would be so gross. Uh, Mary stops and looks at her hands. The stake drops to the ground and bounces onto a nearby gravestone. Lincoln picks himself up with Fergie's help and walks toward Mary and Alex, who are covered with vampire dust. So, nachos? We cut back to the Von Hotman family crypt. Avery slides down the walls of the crypt, exhausted and covered with vampire dust. She looks at Mason and tosses him an empty bottle. I told you to label the bottles before we moved. Mason walks over to the wall and yanks one of his bolts from the concrete. We need to tell them, Mason. They're not ready. Not yet. We have to do this alone. Mason plops down next to Avery and rests his head on her shoulder. We cut back to the bronze. A new band is playing metal music <clears> in the background <throat> as vampires, demons, and the undead mill about the club. Felicity is sitting at the bar, flanked by Tim, who stands guard not more than a few feet away. We see Dr. Avalon sit down at the seat next to Felicity. She's wearing her trench coat from the graveyard and a serious look on her face. What's the word? Dr. Avalon smiles at the bartender. The usual, please, Horace. Horace, a demon bartender with red skin and, humpy, and stumpy horns, nods and begins to pour a drink behind the counter. The blonde one, Mary, took out three of your boys with no training. Felicity puts her head in her hand and turns to face Dr. Avalon. It's always the blonde one. Felicity reaches to the counter and takes a deep gulp of whatever her drink might be. What about the brunette? Any potential? 
She's a fighter, but I'm not seeing anything yet. I honestly th thought it would be her. Horace puts Dr. Avalon's drink at the on the bar. It's tequila with some sort of giant mutant worm. Dr. Avalon eyes it, grabs it off the counter, and starts to gulp it down with a straw. Time is running out. He's getting closer. I can feel him. Dr. Avalon continues drinking. We're going to need the girl. We're going to need an army. We hear the sound of Dr. Avalon's tequila empty in her glass. We cut to a diner, night. Alex, Mary, Lincoln, and Fergie sit in the diner's booth. Lincoln has wrapped toilet paper around his neck, which is stained red from his bite. Fergie, still dressed in a partial werewolf costume, looks distant and nervous. Both Mary and Alex are covered with a thick layer of vampire dust, which is in their hair and on their clothes. The waitress arrives with three massive trays of nachos and a bewildered look on her face. Okay, we have three orders of family nachos here. Lincoln nods and clears the spot on the table. Y'all coming from a Halloween party or something? Yes. Happy Halloween. The waitress spreads out the nachos onto the table, and the group instantly digs in. Did you tell Mom we'd be late? Yes. Shockingly, she said for us to take our time. They probably want alone time. Quirky uh. stuffs his face with, nacho with more nachos than any single human should eat in a single bite. Oh, good. Gross. Come on. Mary finally breaks the ice. Did it bite you? Are you a vampire? Were they vampires? I don't, I don't think so. I feel normal. Mary, that was... Alex takes a huge bite of nachos and stares wide-eyed at Mary. Terrifying? The word you're looking for was terrifying. I was going to say, awesome. The group continues scarfing their nachos without saying too much. Finally, Fergie breaks the ice. So... What's a Slayer? End part one. Yay! Anybody need drink? Drink break? Anybody? Everybody, is everyone set? Are we good? I think so. Yes. Right. Yeah. 